Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit AbyssBattery.com. The National Wildlife Federation has worked with hunters and anglers since 1936 to pass the most important conservation laws in American history and to protect our sporting traditions. This podcast explores our history, our values, and the work we do to protect the fish and wildlife that fuel our passions. We are NWF Outdoors. Welcome to the National Wildlife Federation Outdoors podcast. I'm your co-host, Drew Youngdike, with my co-host, Aaron Kindle of the National Wildlife Federation. Aaron, how are you doing this week? Doing pretty good, Drew. Getting pretty excited about the chance to pass one of the most important pieces of conservation legislation to come along along in uh, quite some time. Absolutely. And I I feel like bipartisanship, when it comes to public land lately, has been on the forefront. You know, last year we passed the, or or helped pass the, the John D. Dingle Conservation Management and Recreation Act. I think that was one of the most significant public land bills in a, in a generation at least at that time. This is even bigger and we're talking about the Great American Outdoors Act today and as you hear this, this bill is moving hot and heavy through the U.S. Congress and you have a chance to make your voice heard right now and, and help that across the finish line. Um, Aaron, let's just dive right into it. Um, can you explain what the Great American Outdoors Act is? What What's in it? Why, why is this so important right now? And why why is this, again, one of the most important conservation bills in a generation? Yeah, I sure can. This It, it really is one of the most important things we've seen come along in, in a really good, good amount of time here. It has two main components. One is to to fully and permanently fund the Land and Water Conservation Fund. And we'll get into a little bit more about what the Land and Water Conservation Fund is here in a minute, but it would fully and permanently fund that fund, which has been around for about 55 years, has spread billions of dollars across the country, parks and wildlife and access and different kinds of things. Um, and we'll get into that in a second. But the other thing it does is it it sets aside a uh, fund for 
uh, doing parks maintenance. If you've been to a national park, uh, and when we say parks, we mean national parks, but it also covers many other of the public land agencies, but particularly in parks. Parks are essentially loved to death. If you've been to a national park, they're, they're flooding with people most of the time. There's tons of visitors. There's The bathrooms are often needing repair, bridges, roads, trails, lots of different things that need love. And, and that's really what the other part of this bill is designed to do. So let's just talk a little bit about it. And I think one of the most important things that you mentioned right from the onset is this is a truly bipartisan bill. We have a bunch of different co-sponsors that are Republicans and Democrats. The, the chief sponsor is, is one of my senators here in Colorado, Corey Gardner, who has been a champion on this for a while. And I, I certainly appreciate that and have talked with him and his staff about that and really appreciate that he's taking that leadership, especially as important as it is here in Colorado. We've, we've obviously definitely benefited uh, from LWCF and we have several national parks. And, you know, I think the other thing is that even in these tumultuous times, we're really seeing people come together uh, for the outdoors and for conservation. And, and it's something that unites us as a country. So I think that's another really key part about this, this bill that's running out there right now. And um, let's just talk a little bit about what it does if that works for you, Drew. Yeah. And, 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 you know, when you talk about that maintenance too, in, in these tumultuous times, one thing that I think everybody knows is no secret is, is there's some folks out of work. And one thing that that maintenance can do is it can put some people to work. Um, you know, when we talk about maintenance, we're talking about infrastructure, we're talking about bulldozer projects, we're talking about paving, um, you know, and, and repaving and building things. And that puts people to work. People need jobs right now. And, and there's some good numbers out there. I don't have them right at hand about how many jobs are created by investment in conservation infrastructure. But it takes people, takes takes hands, takes equipment, takes people to build those things and, and do that maintenance. And we need the jobs right now too. Yeah. And the, one of the things that I found in, in looking a little bit more through this uh, is that about over 100,000 jobs would be created by fixing the parks uh, through this bill. So it's significant. It puts people back to work. It's an economic stimulus type of a deal at the same time as we're dealing with, you know, the crown jewels of our country, the national parks, the places that everybody flocks to and loves. Um, And so one of the things we ought to talk about is just what exactly the bill does. And, and the first part of the bill that deals with parks is, is, uh, what it does is it establishes the National Parks and Public Lands Legacy Restoration Fund. And this, like LWCF, uses royalties gained from, from energy leasing and sales uh, on our nation's mineral estate. Um, and, and really, this is specifically designed to address the, the maintenance backlog on national parks and public lands. So the Park Service will receive the majority of the funding, about 70%. Um, they're the ones that are getting loved to death, seeing record visitors. Almost every year, most parks see an increased visitation. I know here in Colorado, Rocky Mountain National Park gets something like 3.5 million visitors a year. Um, that, that's a ton of people, even for really awesome parks that have some infrastructure. You just, you have to maintain these places. So the Park Service 
receives about 70%. Then the Forest Service gets 15. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service receives 5%. As hunters and anglers, you all know how important those U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service lands are to us particularly. They're often the, the national wildlife refuges. They're often the places where especially a lot of our waterfowl and fish rely on to, you know, complete their migrations and, and their flyways. So that's obviously critically important. Uh, 5% goes to the BLM and 5% goes to the Bureau of Indian Education. Um, and and, been, and when you look at those, those areas where we can hunt and fish, because most, most national parkland, you can't hunt and fish. Well, you can fish a lot of them, but, but you can't hunt. Um, yeah. But, but the U.S. Forest, uh, Forest Service lands, the Fish and Wildlife Service lands, the BLM lands, um, it actually took a special effort to, on behalf of, uh, well, National Wildlife Federation, uh, Colin O'Mara, our, our CEO, as well as the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation and uh, Jeff Crane, they actually spoke up um, and, and made sure that some of those non-park service public lands were included in this. So when we're talking about places where you access public lands to hunt and fish, that some of those are getting their maintenance backlog addressed as well. And, and so that was a great partnership too. We have a MOU with uh, CSF going back a couple years and it's, it's cool to see the fruits of that MOU come out in this as well. Yeah, we're just putting together a press release that, that quotes Colin and, and Mr. Crane from Congressional Sportsman's Foundation. And we're happy to collaborate and work with, with those folks and many others on this. Um, you know, I think a key point there too, Drew, is, you know, one of the reasons they've earmarked so much of, of this pot to the park service is it's really about volume and concentration. You know, if you if you look at the parks, many of those trails or bathrooms or roads are really most people stay pretty close to the places you park I mean and there's millions of visitors literally per year where as the Forest Service you know you may have a an outpost out there somewhere where there's maybe a, a, a pit toilet and a, and a sign and that maybe needs painted and the toilet could use some maintenance but it's not quite the the heavy level of use that we see at parks so we do think this is a good balance and we're glad that we could work with Congressional Sportsman's Foundation and, and many others to, to get some funding because a lot of these places do need it for, for other reasons. You know, on the Forest Service, it might be a culvert under a road that is blocking fish passage and, and really inhibiting, you know, good, good spawning grounds being reached or, you know, allowing for too much sediment to get into those creeks or, or other things like that. So these all are, these all are definitely needed and it's, and it's pretty dire in some cases, but uh, we're glad to see how that worked out. I guess well, a couple other things. Out, Go I was ahead. just going to say, out, out where you and are, are in Wyoming, the hunters hunters might uh, get away from the road a little bit. Um, I think where I'm at here in Michigan, you know, we have quite a few uh, Federal Forest Service lands. And at least in my experience, most of the hunters don't get too far from the road or the parking area either. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you there. Um, I think, I guess what I mean more than anything is it's just a little bit more spread out, especially if you're talking about Western public lands, the use is spread out a little bit further and, and they all need it. I mean, I'm not really not suggesting that one deserves it more than the other, except for that, boy, everybody, 
I, I don't know many people who haven't visited some sort of national park at one point. Um, and, and they really bring people maybe just for a quick day trip or a picnic uh, all the way up to people who will spend a lot of time there. So, And they're just something that we collectively have a, as a country have decided are, are really part of our of our history and our heritage and, and something we really value. So I'm glad to see them getting that love. And a couple other points, you know, of the, of the actual public land legacy restoration fund. That's part of this bill that people ought to know. Um, there's not any money for acquisition. So, you know, it's not going out and getting new properties. It's really about dealing with the properties we have and, and fixing them and taking care of them. Um, it asks that these agencies that run these these lands and, and need this maintenance uh, submit a list of projects within 90 days after this bill would pass. And then after five years, the, the Government Accountability Office would provide a report on how well we're reducing backlog. So, we like seeing that it's some good, that's some good governance. It's ways to say, here's what really needs it. And, and then let's take a look and see if it's working. Um, but, you know, I think we can all think about what this might look like uh, or what we've seen out there on these public lands, you know, broken signs. I know our, our colleague, Lou Carpenter just wrote a, just wrote a nice piece about some of the things happening in Louisiana with, with boat docks being closed or in dire need of maintenance and, you know, he had a great, a great quote. You mentioned to me yesterday, Drew, about lowering a, a heavy boat down with a rope really sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, really he basically said, we need, we need to pass this bill because lowering your, your boat into the river or the bayou by rope just sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of these places are, you know, are really being loved to death. And while we want people to access them and we want people to love them, you have to proportionately provide the resources and in the infrastructure and the things needed to deal with that, that kind of a volume. So, you know, it's pretty obvious to, in our minds why we need this. Um, and then we talked about this, you know, more than a hundred thousand jobs could be created by, you know, painting buildings, paving roads, uh, rebuilding fences, rebuilding trails, rebuilding boat docks. Um, we need those right now. Our, our country could really use that as part of the stimulus and we're reinvesting in something that we all really care about and has proven time and time again uh, to, you know, pay dividends for people and for our economy. So I think that covers most of what people ought to know about the, uh, the National Parks and Public Land Legacy portion of this bill. Um, and then we'll, let's just jump to LWCF, the Land and Water Conservation Fund. Absolutely, Aaron. I'm excited to talk about the Land and Water Conservation Fund. Um, you know, the more the more I look into the Land and Water Conservation Fund, I understand just how deeply and personally it's, it's affected my life. Um, and I think that a lot of people probably don't even realize how much the Land and Water Conservation Fund has contributed to the places that affect have affected their life and, and their life outdoors. But before we get to that, let, let's talk about where the land and water conservation came from, how it works, where it receives its funding, and, and how it came about. Could you explain a little bit of that? Yeah, so Congress created the Land and Water Conservation Fund in 1965, and it's, it's designed to use offshore oil revenues instead of taxpayer money. Um, so really, it uses royalties from offshore uh, energy leasing and sales um, to create this fund and it was originally designed to receive about $900 million a year. And, you know, any state, any county, any entity 
that deals with outdoor uh, types of recreation and access can can access this fund. Um, and so, unfortunately, only about two times in its history, 55-year history, has it gotten the entire $900 million. Uh, for instance, this last year, I think it got somewhere around $425 million. Um, so a little less than half of like, what it could. Yeah, and these yeah. sound like big chunks of money, but when you consider you know, that this fund has touched nearly every county in the whole country. Um, that, that money obviously spreads out pretty thin. And I guess one of the other things that's pretty incredible about this fund that they've learned since its inception is that for every dollar spent through LWCF, $4 in economic value is generated. So that means if we've spent billions of dollars on this over time, we've got at least, you know, four times that amount has been realized in economic benefit. So that obviously is paying dividends like, like nothing else. Um, and we, you know, and the National Wildlife Federation help, help support the passage of the original Land and Water Conservation Fund. So it's part of our history. We've always... Uh, work to try and get full funding for the land and water conservation fund hasn't happened as often as it should. You know, those funds get diverted for all kinds of different things. And, and what this new bill would do would be to fully and permanently fund it. So we don't have to keep going back to the drawing board uh, on a, you know, every three, four years and try to get this thing funded again, you know, and waste a lot of time and valuable resources on something that is already proven to be, so heavily successful across the country. So well, I, I think that's the big deal that people should understand. And I think right now people maybe are understanding how, how important it is in their own lives, maybe more than they ever have. Because during the, the COVID-19 pandemic, people are spending more time outdoors, you know, maybe they're home because they're working from home or, or, you know, maybe unfortunately they got laid off or something like that, but people are getting outside more. I mean, you drive by any boat launch, you drive by any trailhead, you go to any one of those, you're seeing more people out there than you ever have before. We're seeing license sales in a lot of States, uh, double what they are for fishing in some places, uh, 30 to 50% up in Turkey hunting. So people are spending more time outdoors. It means that with more people outdoors are getting more crowded at exactly a time when we can't be crowding each other. And so when you have more public lands and more public lands, especially with people recreating close to home, that's what LWCF provides. And, and it provides places for people to get outside close to home. And with more of those places, we can keep that social distance that we need to. Yeah, we're seeing it right now is a real interesting case study that really just shows the, the incredible benefit of things like LWCF. You know, as you said, lots of these trailheads are being crowded. Uh, people are really flocking to the outdoors at the same time when many of them are lacking their even standard maintenance that they would get right now due to the pandemic. So, you know, we're seeing trash pile up and some of the other problems that come with lack of maintenance. So, you know, both both of these two funds are are really showing us uh, in this time, particularly their value. Uh, it's really incredible. And, and as people, more and more people get out there, we're going to need it even more. So it's a really good time to both highlight the need and push for the passage of this critical piece of legislation. Let's talk a little bit about Drew, some of the, some of the areas. I mean, both you and I have been touched deeply by land and water conservation funded sites. Um, 
you want to just dive in a little bit on, on, you've told me a little bit about your life history <laughs> yeah, in Michigan, about some of the places there that are funded through this. Well, I mean, the, the LWCF, you know, when I started researching some of the different places that, it, that it's funded for, for some of our work here at NWF, I started seeing names of places that, uh, that I had no idea were funded by LWCF. Um, you know, I grew up in a little, little town of 900 people in northern Michigan called Central Lake. And we had a, uh, we have got a, a place called Thurston Park that's right downtown. It's, it's on the lake. And my town is one that is reliant upon summer tourism. It's people coming up to northern Michigan to a boat, to fish, to water ski, rent a little cabin. And then they'd always go to, to the to 4th of July fireworks at Thurston Park. It's part of what drew people to my town that supported its entire economy for the year and that was always held at Thurston Park. At Thurston Park is the first place I ever fished. My older cousin Steve took me when I was like four to the little docks that they had there to fish for bluegills you know off the dock there and when I saw Thurston Park on there I saw that the acquisition and development of it was funded just about three years before I was born. So literally my entire life that that fund has been affecting me Barnes Park is where we used to go to the beach in uh, in high school on Lake Michigan, just a few miles away. It's where we'd go swimming. Um, you know, the Jordan River access, that's where we go canoeing and fishing in high school and summers in college. Um, we went to the Elk Rapids Village Park down there on uh, on Lake Michigan to get my uh, our wedding photos done when I get when I got married. I had no idea that was on there. You know, so, and, and then when I started looking at some of the Wyoming ones, I saw the, the park in Lusk, Wyoming. And I, I, used, to, I used to go out there with my grandpa uh, lived out in Wyoming. He, he lived in Lusk. He was a doctor there. And I went out and stayed with him for a few weeks when I was 12. And he took me to that park there. And we collected worms at night. And then he took me out to a ranch pond that one of his friends owned. And we fished for bass. And caught some of those and brought those back and grilled them up. It's the first place I saw a rattler snake, which is kind of scary for a 12-year-old from Michigan. Um, but it was that park that that we collected worms at to go fishing. One of the you know early times that I went fishing with my grandpa, and I'm and I'm looking at this list, and that that was funded just a few years before that for acquisition and development uh, through the Land and Water Conservation Fund. And then just, just this weekend, I was out fishing for bluegills and bass in the Bald Mountain Recreation uh, area in Oakland County, Michigan, not too far from me. Well, guess what? That was funded by the Land Water Conservation Fund, too. So, I mean, literally from the time I was born, every place I've ever accessed the water, fished, kayak, canoed, uh, right up to I'm 40 years old now. Land Water Conservation Fund has provided those places for me. And and I, I think it's just stunning that so many different places, even before I got involved in conservation, it affected me. And I think if anybody goes and looks up their own county, the own, their own places where they've had special experiences outdoors, they'd see that. Oh, what, what I have to mention, too, is Craven Park in Bel Air, which was the next town up from us. That's where they had their football field. I played one of my favorite football games in the, in the pouring snow in late October at that football field. You know, So just some of my best memories of my life have been provided by Land and Water Conservation Fund. Yeah, Drew, and I think that's, you know, it, like you said, if you look it up, if just about anybody, you'd go, Holy cow! This this is touching every 
piece of me, you know, as I've learned more about this fund, I've, I grew up in Wyoming and Colorado and I went through and I looked and I'm, I'm looking at some of the list right now. Uh, I grew up in Riverton, Wyoming until I was in junior high and I'm seeing a list of baseball fields. I play on parks that I used to go to, uh, you know, uh, Boysen State Park is a big reservoir we used to fish. Um, and then you bring it down to Colorado, and it's the exact same thing. Uh, I live on the Arkansas River here in Colorado, in central Colorado. And the Arkansas River has a special recreation management area that encompasses about 150 miles of the Arkansas River coming out of the mountains into the plains. It's a gold medal trout fishery. It's five minutes from my house. I boat on it. I fish on it all the time. I mean, the list and the way that you can connect these things to what's going on in your own life is pretty incredible. Um, and now my boy is playing his, he just started high school baseball this year. Unfortunately, the season was canceled, but he's doing his practicing and he will be practicing the next three years of his, his high school career will be at a LWCF funded baseball park. So Drew, I think, you know, one of the, one of the things about this is we would really, we'll provide some resources for folks to go look up how this uh, affects them and, and some places that they may have not known were incredible LWCF places. I'll say, you know, my, my boy too, my, my boy's just a little bit over one year old. And last week I went and was looking for some lakes where I'll be able to take him to catch some bluegills when, when he's a couple years older. Some of the uh, parks here in Ann Arbor as well. And of course I found a good spot. I'm like, that's where I'm taking my boy. I saw a father taking his daughter out fishing at the same spot. Well, of course I looked it up. Yeah. That boat launch is funded by the land and water conservation fund too. And, and I think maybe regionally people get different impressions of maybe what LWCF is. And, and maybe out West, you may assume that it's providing, uh, you know, open public lands that, that you go hunt on. I know at least here in, in the Midwest and Great Lakes region, a lot of what it provides are those boating water access sites, whether it's a public beach or a public boat launch. It's a canoe landings on, on some of the inland rivers here. Um, but, but I think we're both surprised to see that it's a lot of football and baseball fields too, and that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's why we know that it's touched just about everybody. Um, really, if, if you look very, very likely, if you have kids and they're out there doing sports, they've probably played in a park on a field. Um, they've went to a pool, some sort of thing that, that gleaned funding from the land water conservation fund. So, and no taxpayer dollars. Um, it's, it's, our collective mineral estate that is also publicly owned. Part of those royalties pay for this. And so it's really a win-win for everyone. Um, the sporting community, you know, we know in a lot of ways better than some because we, we've either recognized this or learned over time that these, that these areas have helped provide us access. You know, in other places, I know I was on a, a press conference this morning with our CEO, Colin O'Mara, and Senator Martin Heinrich, and the director of New Mexico Office of Outdoor Recreation. And they talked about over a thousand sites in New Mexico, from cultural sites to parks to access. That's another state with just, just a boatload of sites. Um, I lived in Montana when I went to uh, college, and I know that 70% of the fishing access sites, the public fishing access sites in Montana, are funded by the Land and Water Conservation Fund. So our sporting heritage, our ability to get out there and, and you know, 
take our kids to do things, whether it be out in the field, hunting, fishing, boating, everything, or just heading down to the city park. All of yeah. those things are touched on. Well, so, and when you, when you mentioned our sporting heritage too, you know, there's a lot of shooting ranges that are funded by LWCF too. Um, by me, there's there's a couple state uh, state recreation shooting ranges in Bald Mountain um, and, and Island Lake as well are, are the two near me. And those are first-class shooting facilities that were funded by LWCF. They've got um, clay ranges. You know, they got uh, – Clay fields, they got archery, they got long range rifle, they got pistol, they got whatever you need to go set in your rifle, get proficient um, with whatever firearm you're using. I would say uh, get proficient with your shotgun, but you've shot with me and you know I am far from that. <laughs> but but uh, you know when I when I get, when I go that you know I, I took that there uh, last fall. Um, I got a bunch of new uh, non non lead uh, copper rounds from Federal for for my rifles and for all the rifles of my deer camp members. And I took them to that same shooting range to make sure that those were firing true and the same out of those rifles. And that was an LWCF shooting range too. So, you know, we talk about football fields, we talk about fishing access sites, but too, it's, it's a, it's a sporting heritage as your local shooting range often too. Yeah. And that's why you'll see, Almost every prominent sporting organization speaking up right now, promoting the passage of this bill. Uh, we're partnering with a lot of them. And another important thing to note is right in the bill, it says funds are required to be spent on places with public access for hunting, fishing, recreational shooting, and other recreational purposes. So it's entirely declared that that's the intent of this bill. Um, and, you know, we could probably go on forever, Drew. It's, it's, <laughs> we want to take this opportunity to do yeah. a special podcast because we're going to be asking all of you to take some time over the next few days and get in touch with your, your leaders. Um, we saw today the House Companion Bill. It's, it reads exactly the same as the Senate version. It was introduced. Um, we expect votes on this on Monday. Uh, in the Senate. I'm not quite sure in the House what we'll see, but quite yet. But there's a handful of days left before that vote for our listeners and other folks to go ahead and connect with their congressional delegation. And and we'll try to provide some resources in the notes for the podcast here uh, for how folks can do that. And our alert that we've put out that allows you to just directly contact Congress through our email uh, alert. But we really just thought it was worth jumping on, having a special podcast to just quickly go over how much it's meant to us, how important this moment is in in conservation history, and really implore all of you listening to this to go do what you can to talk to your delegation and ask them to get this thing passed. You bet. We'll make that really easy for you. As Aaron mentioned, we'll put the link to our action alert in the show notes. That action alert will send a message both to your senators and your member of Congress. We'll also make sure that that's linked on our Facebook page, Instagram, and Twitter, which you can all find at NWF Outdoors. So go follow us, click on the action alert, send the message to your members of Congress and your senators, and let them know to pass a great American Outdoors Act. Any final words of wisdom for our public land advocates listening here before we sign off, Aaron? Yeah, get out to the Land and Water Conservation Fund sites where you live. Check them out, support them, take care of them. This is a huge part of our conservation heritage in our country. 
That's right. Practice responsible recreation when you're out there. Make sure we're maintaining that social distance. We don't want those sites to have to get closed down by the state uh, due to this whole pandemic that we're trying to get over. This has been the National Wildlife Federation Outdoors Podcast with Aaron Kindle. I'm your co-host, Drew Youngdike. And as always, we're sponsored and supported by the good folks at Rep Your Water.